Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. So glad you're here this morning. Really excited about the series that we're in. If you have your Bibles, turn to two places with me, Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5 is where we'll be this morning. Exodus 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5. We'll be there in just a moment. I'm going to tell uh, several stories before we get there, so don't get anxious that we aren't in the Bible yet, but we will be in the Bible, and it's going to be really good this morning. But before we do, I just I want to brag on our campus ministry, our college ministry. They, they're doing just an incredible job. They we're doing our student conference that we have every year in Austin, Texas. There's over 400 college students meeting this morning there, and they've met all weekend to hear the gospel. Friday night, we had over 20 students respond to the gospel for the first time. Is that awesome? And quite frankly, they're just having a lot more fun than us. And I wanted to share because one of our students, Javon, um, decided to just really entertain everybody. So I wanted him to entertain you as well this morning. somebody I mean are you having that much fun this morning I mean can you party like that and so if you're wondering why we don't have the energy this morning it's because it's over there and so anyway uh, man so excited to be here I was teaching our growth track uh, Austin our campus minister normally does it so I was teaching the first half and now Chase is in there and Sad for those who've been going through growth track and just getting involved and plugged in into a deeper way and so I'm um, thankful for that and what what's happening there and Next Sunday, we'll actually have baptisms, and all the college students in our ministry who gave their life to Jesus will actually baptize in service. So, um, so we tell Austin, hey, don't baptize them there. You know, we'll wait for us. You know, wait for us. We want to, and it's just, you know, FOMO, right? You know, fear of missing out. So I want to be there, and, and I can't, so we're going to baptize them here, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, we're in this new series called Emotional Quotient, EQ, Outsmarting Anxiety, and and like I petitioned last week, I, I, don't, um, I don't claim to be a therapist. I don't claim to um, diagnose anybody this morning, but, but, and I'm not talking about any kind of clinical anxiety. What I'm talking about is just the pressure of life that all of us have and all of us feel every day. We have these different anxieties that come against us and and anxiety is no respecter of persons. It will come against all of us. And last week we talked about conflict and how do you deal with relational conflict. Great story this morning as I was in the foyer in between services. Um, uh, a young lady shared with me how 
she was having some conflict with a coworker that she sees every day, and they just have been avoiding each other, and she just mustered up the energy and prayed that the Holy Spirit would give her the courage to, to just go and resolve this, and, and her friend began to apologize and was very apologetic and her week was different. So I'm thankful that this message got to help somebody practically and I hope the same today that it would be a practical understanding and it would help us a little bit as we talk not about conflict but about calendar. That's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about the calendar, the busyness of life. If I were to ask you to pull out your iPhone or, or Google something, whatever it is, and, and you were to look at your calendar, you would probably see it pretty full. In fact, some of you have the avoidance of calendar, right? Uh, I don't want to look at the calendar because it's just too much, and, and we're busy so much. I mean, we're busy with work. We're busy with, if you're a parent, you're busy running your kids around everywhere to every activity. Do you really need to, to do soccer season four seasons a year? Do you really have to do that? Do you have to do that with voice lessons, with drum lessons, with, with the birthday parties, and everything else that's in life that just keeps you busy? Life is busy so much where, where not only are you busy with your, with your social activities, but you're also busy with the social justice um, programs that you're involved with. So you're involved with maybe some things in the community because community is important. The city is important. So you serve on a board of some organization. You go help feed the homeless. You go you go do different things and, and you're just busy. And then on top of that, you come to church on a Sunday morning and you serve both services and you come early and you leave late and then you lead a connect group and then you disciple somebody out of the connect group. And now, now it's not just one person needs discipleship. Now it's two people and now it's three people and, and life is just busy, busy, busy. And then, and then Pastor Ben challenges us, okay, not only be involved in the community, not only pay attention to our kids, not only pay attention to our spouse and our friends not only serve in the church, but, but start reaching people with the gospel. So now I got to invite my neighbors over for dinner, and I got to bake them dinner and, and share the gospel with them, and I have to go to that HOA meeting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and you're just busy. Is anybody else? I'm so busy, I just, my pulpit sank right here, my fake pulpit, and so we're just busy, right? We're just busy, busy in life, and this is, this is not unique to you or Luminous. It, it's, it's our whole nation. Our whole nation is busy, and we're just doers. Is anybody a doer in here? You just go, go, and go. Our nation is a do nation. In fact, Adam Mabry, in his book, The Art of Rest, Adam is our pastor in Boston, Massachusetts, reaching MIT, um, right there in the hub of it all, reaching hundreds of people with the gospel. And, and he is a doer because when you're reaching these intellects and you feel like you have to um, come and show up, you just go, 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 and go. And he says, the thing that we, we do is we do. That's what he says in his book is we do. We do. We are the busiest people around because busyness is equated with importance. That, that we feel like if we're busy, then we're important. And if we're not busy, we're really not that important. And this is what our society has told us over and over again, that 
The busy you are, the more you do, the more value you have and the more valuable you are. And so we just keep grinding and keep going so that we feel the importance of life and feel the significance of life. And we're just busy and it's just more, more, more. And how many of you know that more is not necessarily better? Is that true? That more is not better. More money? That was your line. That was your line. Let's try it again. More money, more problems, right? More money, more problems. And so the more you have, the, the more that's expected, the more that you're doing. And I never found this to be more true until after I was married. After I was married, I really understood what this all meant is that, that when, before marriage, my wardrobe, my fashion sense, I had five shirts. I had one pair of pants. That's what I had. Five shirts, one pair of pants, and a pair of shoes. That's all you need in life. That's it. And it just makes life simple. What am I going to wear today? I'm going to wear the blue shirt. And tomorrow I'm going to wear the black shirt. And it's going to be just fine. I don't have a lot of decisions to make. There was low pressure, low stress when it came to my wardrobe on on every day. And, And I had no stress. And it was amazing. And then I got married. And my wife said, are you always going to wear that shirt? my favorite shirt, babe. I could actually wear it two or three times a week. And she, she begins to say, you need to buy some more shirts. So she buys me more shirts and more pants. And all of a sudden, I got blue pants and gray pants and black pants and brown pants. And, and I'm like, how many different shades of pants can you have? I thought it was just blue. And, and now I have all these shades. And now I have all these shirts. And now I have all these shoes. And now I don't know what matches what. You know, and I'm like, and I'm just pressured out of my mind uh, every day. My anxiety level moves up. My emotional quotient goes down, and I'm just pressured. I have no idea what to wear today, even though there's all this stuff, because more is not better. More is more stress. And then you have a daughter. (laughs) When you have a daughter, I have no idea how to dress a girl. Like, I am, I, I am clueless with girls. I don't understand it. I mean, I don't understand all these patterns and how you match patterns to non-patterns or patterns to patterns. Can you wear the gold glitter with the silver glitter? Can you wear the ribbon with the lace? I don't know what to do. And sometimes my wife doesn't set out her clothes and I have to venture into her closet with a lot of options and I have to decide what this poor girl is going to wear today. And I had this instance this past week. I was getting her ready. Her mom left and and I was going to meet her mom, which was more pressure because that means her mom was going to see what she was actually wearing. (laughs) It's challenging. Jimmy, it's challenging. So what I did is I I found these cool pants with these patterns because these pants are cool. And when you find a cool item, you want to put it on. But then you don't know what that item goes with. So I find some other item and then I put the boots on that look very simple. And I take her out of the house and and my wife sees her and my wife goes, what is she wearing? What is this? She has cool pants. (laughs) That's awesome. And more is not necessarily better. And I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere here. And there's a company that realized this, actually. There was a grocery store that came out called Trader Joe's. Have you ever been to Trader Joe's? Like, how many of you just love Trader Joe's? It's awesome. It looks like a convenience store but because it's so small. But it actually has everything you'll ever need. The thing that they did is they limited 10 peanut butters to one peanut butter. 
They have one of every item, and that's all. There's no options. And it come to find out that people are more satisfied shopping at Trader Joe's because there's less options. It's less stressful. There's less anxiety happen. And Trader Joe's has cornered the market on simplicity and quality. And I realized that more is not necessarily better. And as we're going and we feel like more and more, we get busy and we're moving quicker and quicker. And Brady Boyd wrote this book and he said, Addicted to Busy was the title of the book. He says, most of our problems are caused or made worse because we're moving too fast for too long. Most of our problems are because we're moving too fast for too long. And when you move fast and you're addicted to busy and you're going, 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 what happens then you make pressured decisions, pressured choices, because when there's pressure, then all of a sudden you're picking out clothes that don't match. Or, or maybe you're, you're in this instance where you're driving your car you got to get to work and your car breaks down on 1604. It's traumatic for you. You don't trust the car anymore, but you're busy and you got to go to work the next day. So instead of fixing the car or putting gas in the gasoline tank, you realize maybe I need a bigger gas tank. So you go to the car lot. You said, I need a car that has a bigger gas tank because I'm so fast and so busy. So I purchased this car and I can't really afford the payment. And now I've created more pressure in my life because now I have this other car that I couldn't afford because I was pressured because life was busy and I was moving too fast. Or perhaps you have kids and, and you're, you're running them around and then all of a sudden you realize life is pretty busy and, and I, I must provide food for them because if they don't eat, then I get them taken away from me. And so, so I'm going to actually feed them, but it's too busy to actually cook something. So I'm going to go through the fast food chain and, and, and you know, I'm going to keep it healthy. So I'm going to go Chick-fil-A, right? Because they can't have, you know, they can't have the other place every day. So, so I'm going to do that and, and you're just busy and and then some of us do this with friendships, right, where, where we just, we're constantly looking for the friendships that are not going to take us time, right? So I always look for the friendship where the love language isn't quality time. Woo, your quality time, sorry, can't hang out. Too busy for that. <laughs> Too busy to actually hang out and spend time with you. Does anybody have another, another love language? Okay, I'll take you. Gifts, yeah, here's a gift. Okay, we can keep being friends. I got to go. Got to get moving. I'm busy. I'm busy. And we move into our life and our rhythm becomes this way. And when was the last time you had an unhurried conversation? When's the last time you actually sat there and had a conversation that was meaningful? That you slowed down enough where, where God actually showed up in that conversation? The one where, we, where you aren't looking at your newsfeed or your Facebook or whatever during the conversation, but you're actually engaged in that conversation. And, and God has a plan for busy. He has a plan for busy. And his plan for busy is Sabbath rest. His plan for busy is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. That as we're in this crazy cycle, and we're moving so much that, that we read in Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. 
Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. How many of you know that God doesn't need rest? Like God doesn't need rest. God is all powerful. Do you realize God doesn't get tired? Like God doesn't have to take a deeper breath. God isn't having oxygen go to his brain. He is all powerful. He doesn't need rest. And yet, when he created the world in six days in Genesis, as he was creating, he said, this is good. This is good. This is good. As he started doing that on the seventh day, he rested and said, it is very good. See, that's, that's what a Sabbath is. A Sabbath means rest from labor or work. A place where you can sit down and enjoy what you just did. A place of calmness, a place of looking, a place of reflection. It is a day that, 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 <clears throat> that we need in our life. And, and here's the thing. Why do we need the Sabbath? Because God modeled it. That's the first point. If you're writing down points, the first point is God modeled it. God modeled the Sabbath. He modeled that it is good to do. That that rest is this whole idea of being revived or remaining quiet to take a break from activities in order to be refreshed. And just like any principle, you have to trust the principle that's being presented. You actually... As we've been talking about great faith this year and talking about walking, that we walk by faith, not by sight, that you actually have to take steps of faith to believe that this is true. The reason that people don't rest oftentimes is because they think they're above God. Well, you know, I mean, God rested, but he didn't need a rest. You know, that's just whatever, you know, that's, well, he wasn't serious about that, you know, in Genesis, I mean, you know, I don't even believe in a literal creation, you know, I'm not a literal creation seven days, so it's okay, like, I don't even think that's literal, but then why did he put it right here? Why would he put it in one of the greatest commandments? Why would he not just talk about it then, but he talks about it here? Why would he present this principle in multiple facets throughout scripture, throughout the Bible? Why did he model this so much in his ministry of resting? Why, why was it so important? Because, because it, is, it is a great principle for us, for you and for me in this moment. And it takes faith to rest. You might just write that down. It takes faith to rest. Because you need to be reminded of that. When you're so busy and you're moving, you're just like, man, do I even have faith? Do I even have faith? The person who never rests is a person maybe who doesn't have faith. Who maybe doesn't trust God in what God says. Maybe they don't. And then some of us, we move this place like, oh, yeah, man, I'm resting. I want to just let you know that that when I'm talking about rest, when I'm talking about Sabbath, I'm not talking about laziness, right? God worked six, rested, rested on the seventh. He's not saying, hey, man, you should should watch football today, you should watch it tomorrow, and then you should get that massage Wednesday, don't go to work Thursday, don't go to work Friday, play golf all day. He's not saying be lazy, right? He's saying be restful one day that you would take one day to really rest and really trust he is in control. Second thing, if number one isn't good enough that God modeled, let number two be a reason that we are sons and not slaves. That we are sons and not slaves. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 5, we read about the same commandment. But as we read about the same commandment, we're going to see a different ending. Not so much on creation, but something different. It says this in verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. We see this moment that is pretty amazing. Where one, we see the creation and we see how God rested there. But now we see a place where he is ordering us to rest because we were once slaves. This, is, this isn't God saying two different things. It's just we have, these, we have more reason to take a Sabbath right here. You see... <clears throat> Let me paint the picture, and we all know it so well. I mean, you, you've seen Prince of Egypt, you've read it. This is the story that you heard growing up. But the Jews, when they were taken to Egypt for refuge, there when there was a famine in the land, they came in, and Joseph provided for them, and they were able to eat. But as they did, they started to grow in number. And when things grow in number, sometimes it threatens you, right? If, if something grows in number around you and you're not a part of that number, it feels like a threat. And so the new leader began to see it as a threat and began to enslave these people. He began to say that, hey, you're no longer going to have your freedom, but you're going to, you're going to slave for us. I'm going to use you as free labor and I'm going to I'm going to punish you if you don't abide. You will have no freedom and I'm going to shackle you and put chains on you and I'm going to possess you and you will have no more freedom in your life. That you will be shackled and you will be enslaved and your freedom is gone. And, and this is what God is saying that that as he begins to take them out and set them free, he said, I'm moving you from slavery to sonship. I'm moving you from this destination of oppression to the destination of the promised land, which is equated to rest. The promised land was rest. Then I'm going to move you into a place of rest. I'm going to move you into this place where you can be free and have freedom. And there'll be freedom for rest. Isn't that amazing that, that you as a son or daughter are given this gift of rest? See, that's what a Sabbath is. Sabbath is a gift that he's given us. Sabbath is a day that we get to take and we get to rest. And just like any gift that you get, gifts sometimes go ignored or be misconstrued, or sometimes not used for the right intent. It's amazing how you give your son, your daughter, a friend a gift, give a coworker a gift, and, and at first, you know, they cherish it, right? It's awesome. Like, man, thank you so much for this gift. But, you know, a couple of days go by, and all of a sudden, the gift is gone, and they don't even know where the gift went. It's like the gift is, is no more. And, and what about 100 years or 1,000 years, and you have these Pharisees, 
who are trying to keep God's law, but as they do keep God's law, they start making about behavior and earning and political clouts and, and, and position. And as they do, they take the Sabbath into a place that the Sabbath was never meant to go. They start making it about rules and legalism. They start observing everybody, hey, you're not, you're not doing the Sabbath. You're going to be punished. Hey, over there, you're, you're, you're not observing the Sabbath. You're going to be ostracized. And so they start putting these rules and regulations on what God has given as a gift. And they start abusing it and not doing what, what it was intended to do. And as Jesus came, it was amazing because Jesus came and, and when he came, he, he started doing stuff on the Sabbath. In fact, he healed somebody on the Sabbath. And when he healed somebody on the Sabbath, they got mad at him for healing somebody on the Sabbath. The disciples are picking grain on the Sabbath because they're hungry and, and you want to eat on the Sabbath and they get, they get ostracized, persecuted, beat up under what they made a legality. See, the Sabbath was a gift and this is what Jesus says about the Sabbath. He said to them in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath, that, that, that he, is, he is the giver of the Sabbath. The Son of Man, Jesus, is the Lord of the Sabbath, and he's given it to you as a gift, not for you to serve the Sabbath, but for the Sabbath to serve you, so that it'd be restful for you, that you get to enjoy it and get to rest in it. This is something amazing, and, and, and what he wants you to do, it's it's something that he is encouraging us to do, to engage him more deeply, to engage the friendships around us more intimately, to, to begin to embrace this and rest in it. So how do we do this? How do we do the Sabbath? The first thing you have to do, you have to be, you have to be convinced. You have to be convinced. So I'm trying to convince you today. I'm trying to convince you the importance of it in your busy life and your busy schedules and everything that you have to do and, the, and the, the thing that you have to do right after service that you keep thinking about, you have to be convinced that, that it, is, it is what he has provided and has given for you. The second thing you have to do is you have to engage a plan. The Sabbath just doesn't happen without being intentional. Have you found that to be true about most of life, right? It just doesn't happen unless you're intentional with it. If you're intentional with other areas of your life, you find that it actually is beneficial. So you have to engage a plan. And, and I want to just give you some ideas on a plan that you can do for the Sabbath. This is some plans that you can do. First thing you need to do is don't set an alarm. When it's your Sabbath, don't set an alarm. Like, why are you waking up at 6 o'clock? No, I got to, Pastor, I got to get my workout in. I got I to, gotta, you know, I got tea time. I got this. No, like, what if you just didn't set an alarm one day a week and you just slept in? And you blacked out the windows. And you had no idea what time it was. And you rested more than you've ever rested in a very long time. The second thing maybe you could do is just read a book. I mean, some of y'all look at me, I don't read. That's why they have Audible. Like, buy some Amazon stock. It's awesome. Like, Audible is incredible. I love it. You know, listen to a book. Listen to some music. Begin to do that. The third thing maybe you could do is you could reconcile a relationship. Some of you last week when we, when we asked about conflict and, and if there's somebody in your mind that you need to reconcile a relationship with, I, I saw a lot of heads nodding. Yeah, when I'm praying, I'm looking at you. It's, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
And I saw, I saw the Holy Spirit just really reveal some things. But then you got so busy. Man, I was too busy. I was too busy to have a conversation this week. I was too busy for that. So you get conviction, but then you get busy, so then you ignore it, and then you get hard. It's what life does to us. So maybe you could reconcile on Sabbath. Call that friend that you have, that, you, that you're at odds with, maybe that family member, maybe somebody else. You could reconcile. You could reconcile a relationship. Next thing you could do is you could worship. You could actually turn off your TV and not watch anything and play some worship music and worship. You could read your Bible. You could pull out a journal. You could write about what God's been doing in your life over the last few weeks. You could, just, you could just sit there and linger with God a little bit. Another thing you could do, and, and most men in the room will like this, you could re- recreate. You can like go hunt and kill something. You could, you could go fish and catch something. If you don't like killing anything, then you could go hike and you could go, you could go explore and you can go play golf or play tennis or you can go play basketball or you can join that league that meets on the Sabbath where you just enjoy the relationships. You could do something like that. And lastly, I encourage you on your list, do something other than what you do for a job. Do something other than what you do for a job. I sit and I study and I read and I talk to people and I sit and my step count is like, you know, 300 most days, you know, because I'm just, I'm so sedentary and I'm just, I'm just sitting there. And so what I like to do is I like to mow the lawn. Like I'm never going to hire a lawn company. I like to mow it. I like to get out there and I like to cut stuff down. I like to build something. I like to work with my hands. I, I, I want to sweat. I want to I do something like that. And for some of you, you do that for a job and you're like, I don't want to do that. Well, go take a hot bath. You know, go do, do something else. Do something different than that. And lastly, I would just say this. You, you need to be convinced. You need to engage a plan. And you need to learn one word in your life. And the word is this. No. No. Everybody say that with me. No. 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 Hey, hey, Jimmy, will you lead this other thing that we have? You know, this other organization, this other nonprofit. It's only going to take, you know, like two hours a week. You know, and what do you need to learn to say? No. No, I can't. I mean, I mean, I mean, Trish, you know, I mean, I, I know you're a photographer and I, I need your photography and, and can you take a picture, you know, and, and I just need it right here and, and you'll be every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Can you do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> people pleaser. <laughs> you're not a people pleaser. You're awesome. Uh, I'm thankful for you. Um, <clears throat> no. No, we have to learn to say no. We have to learn to say no because there's going to be so many asks of you. And guess what? People know that the busier you are, the easier it is to ask you. Oh, that's the person who does everything. Let's ask them. (laughs) Hey, man, they just always run around. They'll say yes to anything. Let's ask that person over there. You have to learn to say no. And you have to learn to say no to the right things. This was hard for me the other day because, you know, I'm the birthday pastor. I like being the birthday pastor. Invite me to your birthdays. Invite me to your weddings. Invite me to whatever you have, your socials and all that stuff. I really love it. I really enjoy it. But the other day, we had three, three birthday parties in one day, three birthday parties. And, and they were back to back to back. And I was like, there is no way we're going to make all those birthday parties. But 
I'm a people pleaser. So I'm like, man, we can do this. We can make it happen. But I know if I go to the first one, it's not going to be meaningful conversation because I'm going to be thinking about the next one. So we're going to eat cake, get calories, and then we're going to go to the next birthday party. And then I'm going to be really short in that one because I have the third birthday party to go to. And so I'm going to eat more cake, get more calories, and go to the third one. And by the third one, I'm miserable. I don't want any more cake, but I say yes to the cake because they've given me the cake and I can't say no. So I eat the cake and then I eat everything else. And then and then I'm so exhausted, I can't engage in that one. So I told Brandy, we are not going to one of these birthday parties. And we're not going to this kid because we don't know this kid that well. And it's way over there. And, you know, that kid doesn't care if I go to his birthday party or not. He's going to be okay. There's still cake. There's still jumpers. There's still a clown. There's still balloons. There's still, there's his, his grandparents are there. He's going to be okay. He's going to be all right. So I said, no, we are not going to this one. And you have to learn to say no. You can't say yes to everything. There's no way that you can do this in your life. You see, oftentimes as we fill up our calendar, anxiety begins to rise. And I'll leave you with this is that Jesus had a certain amount of time. And he was a man, and yet he was God. But he had proximity and he was positioned in a place and he couldn't do everything that I'm sure that he wanted to do. He could only do what the father told him to do. So when he went to one town to go heal somebody, he was moving around and there were people sick around him and he didn't heal everybody in every town. There were times that he had the margin to heal everybody in that town. Other points he didn't. And so a woman grabbed him. Who, who, was, who was bleeding, grabbed him for healing as he was so busy and he was moving to the next place and she got a healing. But Jesus wasn't able to do everything that, that he possibly would want to do, but he did everything he should do. And that's the freedom for us is that for you and me, you can't do everything that you want to do, but you should do everything that you should do. Do what God has called you to do. Obey the Father just like Jesus obeyed the Father. And say no to the things that you can't do and say yes to the things you should do. And this is hard for me because I'm saying this and I'm preaching this and all of a sudden some of you are going to quit kids ministry. Pastor, I'm just too busy. I got to say no to kids ministry today. (laughs) I just want to encourage you that if God has called you to serve, serve. But if he said rest, you're too busy. Rest. Rest. Let's obey the Father. Can we obey the Father together? Would you stand with me this morning as I close in prayer? Father, I just thank you so much for who you are, God. And I just, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just, Lord, let us and help us move to a place where rest is on the forefront of who we are and what we're supposed to do. God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, That, Lord, that the Sabbath wouldn't rule us, but, God, it would be a gift towards us that refreshes us. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, as we rest, would we find our pressure and anxiety going down and our emotion quotient going up, our our spiritual quotient rising. And, God, that you would do a fresh and new work inside of us. Let us rest this week in your presence in Jesus' name.